Greetings and welcome to Broken Boxes podcast. In this episode, we sit down with Relative Arts founders Karina Emmerich and Liana Shuey in Liana's brownstone apartment in Brooklyn, New York. We chat about their long and collaborative friendship, the powerful impact and also social harms that often accompany radical collective advocacy within mutual aid and direct action work. We speak to the growing pains and collective strength of community organizing and how Karina and Liana recently launched Relative Arts with an urgency to create a contemporary indigenous artist-run community shop, showroom, art studio, slash education and event space in Manhattan's East Village. We speak to the community care that is woven throughout Relative Arts how the space has become a destination stop for Indigenous folks in New York to find community, connect, and bond over art and fashion, and so much more. As Liana reflects in relation to their work with Relative Arts, it's not about us, it's about our community. They share how Relative Arts celebrates the diverse Native American urban experience, amplifying what it means to be Indigenous today while dreaming of an inclusive future. We hear of their latest Relative Arts Endeavor, where Liana and Karina are actively working towards presenting New York's first ever Indigenous Fashion Week and are currently fundraising to make this dream a reality. We reflect on art world and activism advice, including the rewarding growth of activating community in any endeavor and how it's never a bad investment to build something with your community. We hear how in their experience, the most important advice for community organizing, movement building, and revolution work is not to look to the person taking up the most space, but how it is in autonomy that we are able to find true intersection, to change, and to hear other perspectives. The overall theme of our conversation echoing throughout is that we are nothing without our community. Relative Arts is a new brick-and-mortar community space, open atelier, and shop displaying contemporary indigenous fashion and design. Their mission is to provide a peer-run space in New York City to celebrate and foster the advancement of indigenous futurism in fashion through representation and education. The indigenous-owned Relative Arts is operated by Karina Emmerich, Paliup, and Liana Shuey. Muskogee. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Liana. 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 Yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, well, thank you for having me in this beautiful apartment. Um, I'm sitting here with you, Liana and Karina. Karina. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't want to fuck up. No, no, it's like, no, it's because some people say Corinna. So oh, yeah, and I get Karina. I get Liana a lot. Liana, that's what I wanted to Liana, see. That's what yeah. everyone wants to do. It took me a while to get realize it was Liana because yeah. everybody is does interchangeable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, here we are. Here we are, Liana. <laughs> <laughs> In your beautiful apartment in Brooklyn, and so can you just kind of describe what where we are in Brooklyn and where we're sitting, and then we'll kind of just dive in since we're invited into your space. Ooh, okay, yes. Uh, An image ID, if you will. All right, here we are. Uh, we are in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, 
Canarsie Land, um, here on the third floor of a brownstone building. Um, first apartment I moved into in New York and will never leave if, if I'd never get kicked out because it's pretty delightful up here. We've got <laughs> lots of windows. Lots of plants. Lots of plants. Mm. Um, hard to come by in New York, lots of windows. I think we have 11. 11 windows? Yeah, we're like cuz we're on a in a corner unit and wow. our building is extends like one room <coughs> further back than most of the brownstones in this neighborhood. If you like go outside, you'll see we're like one whole room uh, wider. So we have airiness. We're chilling on some couches. Chilling on some couches. Yeah. It's a beautiful day today. Oh, We've been gorgeous. having gorgeous New York spring. Windows open. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here with Karina. Yeah. And do Hi. you want to um, maybe describe a little bit about where you came from to get to this apartment? Just bring us in from your world? Oh, just from like earlier today? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I live in Flatbush, Brooklyn, just a stone's throw from here, but a 45-minute train ride. Because <laughs> <laughs> New York has to make everything a little bit more difficult. Um, but yeah, I just got up this morning, walked my dog. I have the best dog named Suzanne. She's a little turkey. And um, I usually take her to work with me to the shop. And um, yeah, so I walked the dog, just had a chill morning, and then came over on the train. It was a beautiful day, mm -hmm. didn't need a jacket. And um, yeah, it was a lovely walk. And now we're here just hanging out, and it's really nice and amazing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for setting up the stage of where we're, we are. I'm kind of moving into doing more on location recording and mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to contextualize that. So I appreciate you all kind of describing the energy. It's so much better than a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it really is. It is. So now um, that we've gotten the place that we are, um, can can you all introduce yourself, any affiliations that you like to attach to your person, mm -hmm. and maybe what you do, what, what you do for a living, or what you like to um, talk about yourself? Um, I want you to go first, because okay. I went first last time, and then I was just like... <laughs> okay. I'm going to introduce myself in Lushutsid. Mm. Um, Karina Mcdeedstat, spoil pop shed. Asasel chedalto lenape hoking. Ohoyaf ched teedsk alabats, yefti art. Yeah, I think that's all. So I'm Karina Emrick, I'm Pioalip of descent, and I am a. I make clothing and I'm an artist. And I say art in English, I guess, because we don't have a specific word for art, because art is everything. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I think that's interesting to point out in my introduction. But that's who I am. And take it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Beam. Yes. Um, OK, is it me? Your turn, girl. Has Jay. I'm Leanna. Uh, I am from Oklahoma. I am enrolled Muskogee Creek 
I am also Cherokee on my grandmother's side and Pawnee in Wichita on my grandfather's side. Um, I have lived here in Lenape Hoking for about five years. And, oh, I work as an educator um, for my job that pays the bills. Um, I work for the New York Historical Society as an outreach educator. And I'm very grateful that today is a holiday <laughs> so yeah. that I don't have to be running around to mm. wherever I go, <laughs> whatever random borough I'm in that day, having to teach like a hundred students. What do you teach? I teach history because I'm from the Historical Society. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> um, Sounds like a rabbit hole we could go down. Um, yes. You, no, you, yeah, your work is really important. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it is. I get to hang out with the kids. The kids are all right. I'll, I'll say that. Nice. Um, yeah, uh, it's really awesome to get to be an educator here in New York and to get to go to like New York public schools for most of my work. Um, and to be around like such diverse and interesting um, youths who like are city kids too. Mm -hmm. It's so different from like the type of like how I grew up yeah. um, growing mm -hmm. up in Oklahoma. So um, I don't know, mm -hmm. I feel like this is, uh, how do I rabbit hole down here? <laughs> well, like you teach about, you know, <laughs> activism, democracy, you teach about stuff that they're trying to outlaw from schools. Yeah. So you're yeah, almost like an activist educator. Wow. Yeah, it's true. I know. I'm like, uh, how much can I say to and not not get in trouble? I'm like always kind of waiting for the hammer to come down on my program and me. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of the main things that we teach, uh, or at least the thing that I spend uh, a lot of time teaching is uh, a program called the Academy for American Democracy. So we teach um, about democracy as we practice it here, as we um, gained influence from ancient Athens, um, and our, we have three essential questions. What is a democracy? How does democracy work? And the third question is, how do you make change in democracy? Mm -hmm. So it's uh, the last couple of lessons. It's a nine-lesson program. Um, and for the last couple of lessons, we just talk about activism. So it's pretty... Um, cool to be able to go into schools that have um, a lot of indigenous kids, you know, especially like diasporically, if we're talking about Taino people mm -hmm. um, and just, yeah, other indigenous people from the Caribbean and all over. Um, and then I get to bring in my indigenous perspective into teaching this stuff and talk about, you know, how when my grandfather was born, he was born in 1918. It was wouldn't be six years until six years later when indigenous people were considered citizens in the United yeah, States. Yeah, my grandma was born in 1918, also. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, and you also incorporate. I mean, you at the you have activism at the forefront of your work. It's not yeah. just fashion, right? You, yeah. It feels like what you're doing kind of mirrors Liana. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah, I think yeah, we're that's something that we're both really passionate about is being able to use the access that we have living in New York City to 
um, change things, you know? We have, we live in this like huge hub. Like Leanna said, she's been here five years. I've been here for 14 years. And um, yeah, we've just done so much activism together. And yeah, I talk, I do say my work is often known as fashion activism because uh, I'm really, outspoken about the stories behind the work that I do and I think I'm more of a storyteller than just an artist or just a clothing designer mm -hmm. um, yeah and we both see a better world yeah. <laughs> and we're gonna try to attain it and we're gonna try and be a part of it so let's talk a little bit about your um coming together story since we're sitting here as a group and you mm -hmm. two have worked together for many years like when did you all first meet and what was the first project mm -hmm. that you worked on together mm -hmm. we actually the first time the two of us hung out just the two of us was on this couch right here oh. and we shared a bottle of wine and I, I, I just remember that so distinctly because um, I felt like we had so much to to talk about and so much in common. And that was the first time that I was like, oh, I really want to be connected to this person. Aww. Oh, and we've grown so much. But the first time we met, the first time we saw each other was at um, indigenous an indigenous women's gathering at um, the American Indian Community House here in New York, known as AICH. And yeah, do you want, what else? Um, yeah. Karina and I, I feel like just we, so it's funny because I, I remember you at that, that particular meeting, but like, I don't remember it, well, yeah, it's like not until this like bottle of wine on the couch. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I remember hanging out in a bar in Williamsburg together too. And we were like talking about Portland and oh, whatever. Oh yeah, you, were, you rode your bike up. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, through through that um, meeting at AICH, we ended up part of a collective that kind of like broke out out of that um, initial meeting, and so we started just kind of being on calls mm -hmm. and in meetings with each other a lot, like starting a affinity group relationship. Yeah. I guess I think out of the women's meeting, there was a group of us that. I identified a little bit more radical yeah, and um, a little bit more interested in direct action and we broke off from from the group to start a collect collective that was focused on art and education and direct action. Mm -hmm. Indigenous-centered or? Yeah, yeah, indigenous. It was called the Indigenous Kinship Collective. Mm-hmm. First, it was the Indigenous Women's, Women's Collective. Collective yeah. Um, yeah, so that just like kind of grew and changed, and but really became like yeah, direct action affinity group, um, mm -hmm. polyed group. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and then bringing us to here, you know, uh, through that organizing work in this like city of of the world, <laughs> New York. Mm -hmm. um, Karina and I have then therefore been through a lot together, I feel yeah. like. 
Leanna, yeah. Leanna likes to say we've run from the cops together, so we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it creates a, a certain kind of bond and trust. Um, yeah, that we throw down, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and creating creating a collective. I mean, in my own experience of being involved in art collectives, is it is it's like a camaraderie. It's like a a kinship that mm-hmm. when you I can only imagine living in an urban environment like New York as an indigenous mm-hmm. person just kind of finding people who have similar experiences with you like share yeah. that story and then also the complexities and differences mm-hmm. so once you all formed indigenous kinship collective what were some of the pillars and ethos mm-hmm. of the collective and how did mm-hmm. you engage in action in your communities what were you what were you all about <laughs> yeah we, I mean we were like a femme non-binary facing a group of indigenous people who were enrolled not enrolled um, a variety of um, big big diversity in where we came from mm-hmm. um, which you know uh, like you said like when we're all native, but we're not a monolith. <laughs> we're like so different. So one of the big pillars of the group was to the um, to be autonomous, mm-hmm. and that was something that was really important to me. And um, being in a group that's really like political, I think it's important for us to be able to hold our own beliefs without having to have like an overarching belief. But because we are so nuanced and. Um, what drives us, I guess. Yeah, so... It was interesting because we really, like, the... The timing was right for this kind of a group to, like, emerge, and people were really looking to, like... um, Pre-COVID. Yeah, pre-COVID, and, like, Like especially... 2018, I think, is when we... uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so there was just, like, a lot of... A lot of... uh, political activism going on and I feel like 2018 was also like the year of like diversity and inclusion and people like wanting to be like accomplices not allies and like white yeah, people like trying diversify to like diversify your followers or whatever yeah so like it was when you know we weren't like the first of our kind obviously but like we we were kind of we came at a time when like the like social media and everything was just like perfect for us to like we exploded and then all of a sudden we were kind of like the face of indigenous activism in as, New York City in New York City yeah which is a big as an urban deal. urban collective wow um, how did that feel was it pressure yeah I don't like being yeah. on the internet I, I like being adored but yeah. I don't like being on oh, the God. internet like that <laughs> I like being adored personally, privately. Yeah, I think at first we were, it was really exciting. I I was part of doing the social media aspect of it, which um, we can talk about later <laughs> what, that, what that entails. But um, I think at the beginning it was really exciting because we knew that we had a lot of support and that we could mm-hmm. do a lot of really good things and that people, um, their expectation and trust in us to do good work was there and I think it was really exciting at the beginning to have a lot of followers and and um, then created just like a responsibility yeah yeah I mean it was a really great responsibility um, 
but we did a lot of good work. Like, it, yeah. we were able to shine light. On, we were doing a lot of solidarity work with, with Suedin. Um, mm. And what's Suedin? What, what Suedin uh, is a, a land struggle that is yeah. ongoing in mm. BC, what's known as British Columbia. Um, the unceded lands of the Wet'suwet'en people are um, continue to be mm. violently stolen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the so-called Canada is trying to have jurisdiction over the unceded Wet'suwet'en territory that has been unceded since time immemorial. So the Canadian government doesn't have um, any rights to that land and during that time they were trying to put in the coastal gasoline pipeline mm-hmm. which would run through I think it was like between 10 and 20 uh, bodies of water yeah and there I were like man the camps number. already coming yeah. out of that and then once COVID hit that it became even more dire to get these visitors out of this small community without access to resources you know that's one thing people were like oh what was it like being in new york and during COVID?" and i was like at least i had access to resources yeah like and so thinking about how horrible it is to bring people in during a pandemic tear down ceremonial you know um, projects when they did the MIW mm-hmm. ceremony and got arrested by. Anyway, so we so we made it a point to stand in solidarity with them, mm-hmm. and that was like a big, big part of the work that we did. We protested in front of the Canadian consulate and, and um, at the UN. At the UN, uh-huh. and um, which is something that you know we are able to do because of our platform and access and being here in the city so it it was such a great responsibility to be like well this is the way that we can shine light on this and we yeah there's a lot of showing up but also it's you know that then that's when that weight kind of starts to be on you because when you're when you are that like in that spotlight and people are looking to you to highlight these things to do the right thing to like always be showing up it's like yo i got their expectations of what we're expected to do yeah Yeah. you know go like and it's important to do these things um but also like i do have to go to work at some I know, unfortunately, we have to exist <laughs> in a capitalist society yeah. where we have to try and survive at the same time. Yeah, like, we are uh, saying, like, down with capitalism, fuck this, but, like, also, we do, uh, unfortunately, live in, like, the capitalist hub yeah. of the world, and we have to That's exist unavoidable. here. And it's, like, yeah, uh, yeah so, but that became, like, such a... shelter and food, you know? Mm-hmm. That's so real. Yeah. But when we went through IQC, we did create such a community where we were able to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. We were really, really able to take care of each other. We had um, we had two funds, uh, one that was donations to IKC to, um, you know, build what we were building and one that was going to mutual aid and in our mutual aid fund we redistributed over a hundred thousand dollars wow and Mm -hmm. that's one thing that I want to be clear about is that there was no point in time where we had a bank account with a hundred thousand dollars in it Mm 
Yeah. We redistributed that money um, As, over a long period of time during COVID yeah. to communities that were in need and like larger, larger communities like in Texas um, during natural disaster, we were able to distribute money to Standing Rock. We were able to distribute money to COVID relief on the Navajo reservation and a smaller reservations. I we were able to get um, a bunch of masks that I sent back home to people on my um, traditional homelands as well as uh, the community that I grew up in and the schools. So it allowed us access to do something during okay. that time. Um, and we really just changed what we were doing to be active within helping how we could by using the resources that were available to us. Mm. Yeah, yeah, our like average donation capped out at $300. So it was like really just like small funds being redis redistributed mm -hmm. basically as soon as it landed in our Venmo. Um, and we did a lot of work with like the Mapuche people, our yeah, comrade Lydia. Oh, we did so much in Chile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because um, we had direct access to Chile with our, yeah, mm -hmm. Lydia. And it's always interesting to me because I've done like a lot of um, direct action and advocacy work in the course of my life. And whenever money comes in, so does the weird dark energy of money. Yeah. So there's like this weird, it's almost like bad juju that comes with money because mm -hmm. whether or not you're doing the most honorable thing with money, there's like a scarcity thing around money and um, people want you to be accountable in ways that almost feel unattainable when you're doing a lot of mutual aid work like yes you can have your books and you can have receipts but I feel like we're in a, a point of post-truth almost yeah in totally. capitalism in our country where it's like truth is just about how people feel about you versus what's actually happening mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. and social media doesn't help that any so um i know that you're talking about like all the places that you put these funds but i can also feel the tenderness like you guys were um kind of like put on the chopping block a little bit around the work you did because you have this exposure and how did that part feel for you like what happened in that space of like mm -hmm. high exposure and then trying to offer all this support free labor yeah yeah, a lot of it was my labor. <laughs> I'm, yeah, really, I'm Leanna, really stinky about it because... <laughs> Leanna's like an impeccable bookkeeper. Yeah. And it's not her favorite thing to do, but she is very good at it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I just like, uh, the, when the first donations came in, honestly, so like when we're talking about like the mutual aid pot and the like IKC pot, most of the IKC pot didn't grow that often. It was only when we like did things where we like got like honoraria given to us but mm -hmm. we actually had fundraised most of it right before COVID hit because we were supposed to go to South by Southwest that year oh, oh yeah so we had wow. like we had like had a we couple parties we were supposed to go to settlement too and we were right? also supposed to go to settlement yeah. yes yeah. that's your work and, yeah Chinupa, and I produced that one yeah and you yeah. guys were gonna come out yeah <laughs> so like we had big dreams you know and then we had to like really shift our work because of covid and that's when we started raising the mutual aid and but yeah whenever we had just like done our little fundraiser um for us to get to south by mm -hmm. i was like i think we should make a spreadsheet about this 
Yeah, you were like, Great oh, instinct. wait a minute. <laughs> what, we need to You're track all... this stuff. The yeah. teacher in me. Hello. Um, yeah, so I started making a spreadsheet and just like, like, um, recording every single transaction that came in or, or went out. Um, mm. And it ended up becoming, with COVID and the mutual aid efforts, we were doing a lot more than I had signed up for over like years. Yeah. And um, with, yeah, like $100,000. Responsibility. It was so much. Um, and then we had also like a, a our approval system for uh, funds that we would send out. Like mostly it was done through Instagram where you crowdfunding we still see them today like you know crowdfunding like this where it's like oh uh, relatives in need uh, you know whatever to help fix their car or whatever yeah um so we would kind of because that was showing up on in our instagram worlds and in our internet worlds we would share those through our flock which is like slack our little channel where we were all communicating together and then we had to get three thumbs up in order for the request to get approved. Um, so yeah, so it, it was uh, every, it was total transparency that everybody knew where all the money was going, mm-hmm. and we had to approve it. It wasn't like one person approving, um, you know, and ask like say somebody's like my grandmother doesn't have water right now. We need help. We'll be like, hey guys, I saw this post. Can we send two hundred dollars? And it was like that kind of direct action where it was like two people who were in our community who we knew mm-hmm. were real people mm-hmm. who really needed help. And mm-hmm. and, and so it was like peer reviewed before yeah. it like went out. So we were able to directly help so many community members in that mm-hmm. way. Um, wow. But so then when it all kind of like uh became untenable and people had a lot of like crazy expectations or crazy ideas of what we were doing and crazy ideas of what we were doing um we and 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 then at this point the collective itself is already kind of working on i don't know dissolution i guess um but uh what we ended up doing is having a like peer meeting, transparency meeting with other organizations and comrades and people that we have done, we work with face to face here. We were like, okay, the internet is trying to like, you know, convict us of whatever crime the internet has decided that we are committing against community and humanity. Because money got involved. Because like money you said, got involved. Because as soon as people were seeing that we had some access to money, which were literally just numbers on a screen that we were redistributing. Mm-hmm. There was no, nothing in hand, nothing that was like, I don't know. And then people were saying that we were stealing money. Which or that is, we were like living like fat cats, feeding yeah. ourselves. Like, I'm like, I'm I like, did not get paid for yeah. that work. We did <laughs> one, one so distribution where we had money in an account. And we were like, okay, we're going to send everybody a little bit of money to get by. And some of us just were like, no, leave it in the account. And it, so even that was like, we only offered to 
free labor that we were working on nonstop every day. I mean, it was a full day's worth of conversation every single day about how we were going to distribute stuff, what we were doing. And then having to check in on the thing to be like, and to see what new requests yeah, came in. Making sure that you know what everything everybody's doing. And, and it's is keeping perfect books. And, <laughs> oh my God. and then, you know, and then the internet decided that we should get canceled. Yeah. Because <laughs> people... I don't know. They're like, where are the receipts? And we're yeah. like, these we're are like, personal donations. We're not trying to put people yeah. on blast. And like, they're going to be like, okay, so Jimmy needed his car battery. <laughs> like, wait, it's none of your effing none of your, business. Yeah, none of your beeswax. Uh, so wow. it's just so much. But we ended up, so like, uh, what I feel really good about was when we decided to call that meeting with our the people that we work yes. face-to-face with. Um, and they were all asking for tips on how to do mutual aid. They knew that we yeah. were trustworthy. They knew that we did good work. They, yeah. we've yeah. thrown down with them in the streets in person. We've shown up to support their causes and yeah, most of them were like, I don't even know why you're having this meeting. We know who you guys are like, and not in a negative way, but like that they were just shocked that, that this, that. <laughs> the money in in social media <laughs> oh, <laughs> the recipe for disaster <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow that is so heavy and during that time it was just such a loaded time in america in new york i yeah. mean we're just like like a, just a, a year away from covid happening right mm-hmm. so so where were you guys with indigenous kinship collective like right before covid hit had were you still activated were you starting we were trying to go to south by yeah so that was that time yeah we were we had a panel that we were going to deliver at south by and we were fundraising to fly there okay we were really active and we had people go marching in dc we were traveling we were hitting the road we were doing you know we were doing as much as we could Mm -hmm. and and there and that's another misconception too is like some of us ended up being um front-facing people because we're comfortable talking in public Mm -hmm. but there were so many people behind the scenes who were just as active in the group but maybe weren't comfortable speaking in a public you know space so that was another thing too is like we even if we were traveling there was a whole team of people behind what we were saying the missions that we were you know mm-hmm. yeah following. and our meetings were long <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we were meeting like like yeah. once a week or like twice a month at least like we were meeting frequently at its height how many people were involved in indigenous kinship collective at the height I have, 15 maybe wow. i mean i think 15 was like our like loyal group that stuck around it was about mm-hmm. 15 mm-hmm. so yeah it went up and down and you know we worked with other collectives as well mm-hmm. um, and had connections with them but yeah it was a really solid group and and especially 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 during covid was so important for us to have a family Mm-hmm. Um, which we did have, you know, we weren't just a group of friends. I really think we're a family. We took care of each other during that time because mm-hmm. um, it was rough on a lot of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so after the kind of like cancel campaign for Indigenous Kinship Collective, you all kind of regrouped 
and like figured out what your values are and how to continue on with the work, but maybe in smaller and more um, generative ways that could feel a little bit more holistic. And so, so, so what happened next? So you guys all kind of like went, went, took a step back, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. And then what? I feel like after all of that happened and it created so much drama and pain um, that we were like, we want to celebrate joy. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, what, like working in those uh, frontline places can get so hard. And there's one quote, and I wish I remember who it was, but it's like, um, social activism is like a choir. Like sometimes somebody has to drop out and come back. And then so that's how it felt. Like we dropped out, took a look back at the work that we did, and we were like, uh, we're fighting for joy. Let's just create joy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I spent a lot of time during COVID back home in Oklahoma um, on reservation lands with my family. Um, And I think that really, like, also, like, gave me a reality check, you know, of, like, I don't know. It was, like, I, like, first of all, all this shit that's going on on the internet, like, my aunties don't read the internet. I, my aunt emailed me, too. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe these comments. And then I was like, y'all are fucking with my aunt now. Like, they yeah. people don't realize there's a whole family behind yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. Right? Yeah. That's heavy. So it got that toxic. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we also got, That's like, so funny. low-key doxxed at some point, too. So there was a moment where I had to, yeah, like, call my family threats. and be like, What you is guys need doxing? To start. I keep hearing that, and I'm not sure what it means. Uh, it's when your, like, personal information gets, like, published on the internet so uh, that people can come find phone you number, and harass yeah, address, you. Yeah, yeah like, phone number, address, photograph, where your place of work, like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my and God. And we received some, there was a period, it was uh, in the summer of 2020, like, right when COVID had, was popping, <laughs> um, we, is when we kind of got our... Uh, our harassment began and uh, a picture we started getting um, all of us started getting text messages from unknown numbers and untraceable numbers and they sent a picture of us um, like nine or ten of us in the collective and it had our names written over it and it was saying it had said like one little two little dead little Indians like yeah like we we were getting death threat like and like people are crazy yeah. <laughs> like so then, like, yeah and I happen to uh, be in a close relationship with people who know how to like kind of lock your profiles down and stuff whenever you get, get doxxed so um, we like work with a lot of anti-fascists so we were kind of prepared for that wow. <laughs> um, but it was crazy because like in when you go to like look yourself up to see what information people can find on you like that's when I realized that like my parents address are out there um and my parents live in Oklahoma oh my you know people want to go kill Indians in Oklahoma (laughs) like so like I had to like have that phone call with my mom where I was like yo I know you guys don't lock your door you need to like lock your door for a little bit like yeah that's the scary thing about the internet is you don't you just when you get these threats that may be empty threats they feel so real 
Yeah. And so it's personal. fucking scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I just, we don't know. Shit. So we were like, we're done with this. <laughs> yeah. So that was all pretty, pretty, I mean, we actually even continued for that with, like, through that. Um, wow. But it definitely, like, changed the way we, like, moved and thought and, you know, just kind of, like, um, added a little more, like, yeah. trauma and baggage and weight to our situation. Yeah. But yeah, so like when I went home, uh, spending so much time um, home during COVID, like there was just this, you get really like reset and being like, my family doesn't know about the internet and all the shit that's like being said about their child until I have to call them and tell them that like, all, you know, that they're maybe being, you know, threatened. Um, but also what my parents do see is, me thriving and like actually carrying on this indigenous joy that I feel like I'm always having to struggle for. And they're like, no, but you're actually doing it and embodying it. So why don't you just like, that made me feel like it was, became my responsibility then to like, to do that and highlight that. Like they don't want mm -hmm. me to be all this struggling and the like hate that we were facing was not, um, actually doing anything for them yeah and if somebody wants to come for you and they really do like they're going to i feel like a lot of times these threats are to like break your spirit yeah. and make you stay small and mm -hmm. it there is real threat and i don't want to like minimize that but mm. a, a lot of it is that like that hurdle you have to step over in your own head of like what is actually Mm -hmm. possible and what you're willing to risk mm -hmm. to yeah. have that joy and so that's really wild that you all had to grapple with that yeah. in the middle of fucking covid yeah. but and that it's just an example that small voices can get so loud that you forget the important part of the work and I, you know, I say for every one person that's hating, there's 10 people that are silently admiring you. Mm -hmm. And I think about the way that I admire people. I don't do it actively like, you're so amazing, ah, like, but you know what I mean? You're admiring them, but that's when the troll voices can seem louder than the positive, mm -hmm. the positive impact. So wow. remember that kids. That's, <laughs> a good, that's a good note. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we did, you know, we did such good work. We did. And we were like, you know, we don't care if we get credit for it or not. Yeah. At this point, it doesn't matter. The work was done and it was done well, respectfully and responsibly. Mm -hmm. And now we're moving on to do something even more fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm... Are we ready to step into that joy moment and talk about that? Oh yeah. So yeah, so let's talk about bringing joy into your lives and like the next step. Where did you all where did you all take it from there? Where are you Where where did you head in the last what was it year and a half, 2 years um, mm -hmm. to bring you to this moment? And what is this moment? Yeah. I feel like first we kind of paused. Like we there took was a pause. there was a big the door closed. <laughs> we closed that door. Everyone didn't, well, we didn't close the door, but we took a big pause because um, there was a lot of healing that needed to be done. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we all started like a lot of 
the collective continued to like hang out and we really got to, I think that we started in that healing is where we started to kind of like feel that spark of joy. And we were, cause we all had to like take a break. And when we came together, it wasn't yeah. to have a really hard meeting anymore. It was to it is just like chill, just be happy yeah. to be together and to support one another. And like, we actually all had really dope stuff going on and we're mm-hmm. all, you know, so we're poets, artists, Mm, yeah. teachers musicians. like musicians so many amazing people that we're still closely closely connected to and yeah so we just start, really started supporting each other and um, Leanne and I grew closer as friends and uh, I really respected her because um, of her work in IKC mm-hmm. and I thought she just kept things impeccable. She was really good at um, keeping books, archiving, you know, being taking on this responsibility role, but also having this really uh, creative eye. And we started talking about working together. And at first it was in a capacity with my clothing line, Emmy Studio. And the more we talked about a vision, we really realized that it was something new Mm. and that it was something else and because our experience is similar but different like Leanna's really backed in education museums all that and then I have more artwork creative and we were like let's do something together Mm -hmm. and we were like and let's make it fun (laughs) yeah there was like a definitely a joint love of like clothes Mm -hmm. fashion (laughs) Um, fashion like I love it I love an outfit um and uh so like that was fun to like play off of um but we also just wanted to create a space I think also from the like past experience of being in the collective um and like some joyous significance of meeting here in my apartment to talk about this is like it was always really hard to find a space to to meet yeah um and so i really like for me wanted to have a space like the space was the place for us to be able to like all come together and bring all of our community together and to highlight and to celebrate yeah. this joy. Like it, yeah. we wanted to, we needed a way to be able to celebrate and in New York city, it's so hard to find space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's yeah. something that sounds so simple, but it's a huge importance to community, to building mm-hmm. community is to have a comfortable space, mm-hmm. a shared space. Yeah. You know, we, we, we're looking for that yeah I mean I think even in us moving around the like art world or whatever here in the city and indigenous people are participating and being invited in more and like taking up space more and more in these like institutions even in being invited into these institutions or attending these things with community we still weren't able to fully like be you know you can't like burn medicine in in the Whitney Whitney. (laughs) you just can't yeah um yeah so like being able to like do like have a space where we like 
can do whatever can the do whatever fuck, we, fuck want. we want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Smudge sure. it up. Smudge yeah. it up. Yeah. And then also I was thinking, because um, I travel for fashion shows, that New York is becoming such a hub for indigenous fashion designers to come and do runway. New York Fashion Weekend's like so dope to see that. And I really was thinking that it would be so cool because I currently work from home. So I don't really have the uh, ability to invite people into my space. So now I have a space that I can invite people into and like say somebody needs to alter a dress, have a fitting, do any of that. We have a space that's available to them. So that was something that was important to us too is to create a shared space, but that's usable, that's, you know, like you, you can be like, like, you know, Chinupa came in yesterday and we were joking about, oh, I, I have a last minute project. What do you have in the back? <laughs> you yes. know, because we just like have a bunch of stuff like available. And then we were like, oh, what if we had classes? What if we made education? What if we had um, guitar lessons, 3D printing lessons? <laughs> What if we had a showroom of all different indigenous designers? What if on the walls we had a gallery of indigenous artists? Like, and we were like, what if, what if, what if? And we started creating this thing that sounded like this beast of, you know, like people didn't understand at first this idea of a transparency and an open atelier that people are working from a space that we are also celebrating other artists. And then, um, we were like, no, we know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. We have this space and this is our dream. And we did it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we've got, do you want to talk about how we rented it? Who we we rented from? Yeah, I mean. So, because people might have a misconception that it's this insane amount of money to have a space, but. Yeah, well, yeah, we've gotten really lucky. So it's funny because when we were conceiving this, um, Karina and I really started thinking about creating this like place of joy, um, this space, this community space for the last like maybe year and a half. And we've met around that table in there and like sketched things out. And um, we were like, we have to fundraise like a million dollars. Like we're gonna need a million dollars. We're gonna need 20,000 square like, feet. We're gonna big. have a coffee window. Like, you know, we're <laughs> like, you know, because we're in New York, and so we're like, how can we do this? How can we like let everyone through the door while like we like, have we'll this We'll start construction. And it'll be done in two months. We'll open it. Like, yeah, we were like, thinking big. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we had been talking about this and putting out there that we were thinking of this space and this dream and this workshop studio, um, and Karina got a message from uh, her friend Delphina who has modeled for her before um, and she lives in this building and her mom is the president of the co-op board for it's an HDFC which I forget what that actually stands for um, it's a community York, run yeah. yeah it's a community run space uh, co-op run space and uh, her the, she's Dene <laughs> so yeah like she, they're Roy balls. Yeah. So yeah, they're Dene and um, dope huh. and they're friends of ours. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, Delphina's mom actually came out to Santa Fe. She got to hang out with uh, um, Delphina. Delphina walked the runway. 
she got to hang out backstage with us. And um, Delfina also modeled in my New York Fashion Week show and her mom was there too so we had we created this bond in this relationship so when this, mm -hmm. sp this space became available at where she's the president of co-op they mm -hmm. offered us yeah. this space and we were Mind like you, holy the space crap. is like a sub basement that's only 350 square feet <laughs> so a little bit smaller than yeah. like how we were envisioning. But in New York, that's pure gold. <laughs> yeah, in this village. Yeah, and so it, they were really intentional about who they wanted to bring into it. Like they weren't just offering it to anyone. They're really like anti-gentrification in, uh, mm. in the community. Um, it is the Loisaida community. So like um, Bordican community. Yeah, New York. Um, New York community. And they we like had to write a little proposal about like what we we're gonna do with, with the space um mm -hmm. and we were offered a very uh sweet deal sweet deal <laughs> so because it's, it's the, yeah because it we're creating a community space it's not just you know that like so like like, a, like in that in the neighborhood that we're in there wouldn't be like a j crew next door like it's very much community run like small artists local labels like the kind of place that you're going to go find one of a kind pieces and now we are a, a, a shop you know called mm -hmm. relative arts i don't think we've even said, said the name yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it might be the um, title of the podcast. Yeah. Okay. But people are coming to Relative Arts on purpose. Like, mm -hmm. it is a destination store. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's blowing my mind how much people are saying how much it's needed. Anyway, so, and yeah, we opened the, the store. Only, <laughs> isn't it the only Native-run business in Manhattan? At this time, it's definitely I, 2023. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to get you guys. Yeah, to no, that. I was gonna say like definitely like for I would say first native run contemporary fashion shop and it's showroom. Studio. Yeah, mm -hmm. like, studio. Yeah, yeah. I I think we're and event space. I mean, we're yeah. You guys yeah. are gonna have a show. Yeah, we're doing a oh, album Thursday. release party yeah. for Mato Ayuki. Thursday. On yeah. Thursday. And Ari, Ari Lauren of Kautzen is going to come and do tattoos. We have the cool kids. I know. It's so true. It's like really fulfilling my dream of like just being the cool auntie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I it like also cool feels very house. healing. Like after yeah. kind of going through the first part of this conversation, talking about that, that growing pain of mm -hmm. indigenous kinship collective and like how, how much harm that caused to your community mm -hmm. to know that like, regardless, y you guys are still like generating like, joy and able to have like kinship even though maybe mutual aid just wasn't the the right formula or format mm -hmm. you guys yeah. are finding your way you're artists you're right. supposed to be out there being weird maybe you know yes, <laughs> yes. totally oh my God. i'm like and i'm definitely embracing my weirdness more and more as i grow older that i just don't care i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do yeah i want to create you know i have all these visions i want to make them a reality mm -hmm. and relative arts is definitely a vision that we had that's real now and it's mm -hmm. small and it's 
But, but we have so many plans for growth as well and but we don't have any money yeah we're making this as yeah it's like bare bones totally community built like literally our friends and family are coming to help us build our mm-hmm. furniture and they're the ones who are spending money too you know yeah. it's just like it, yeah they're buying t-shirts uh, uh, and... i think like one of the like ethos points that we created in um, developing relative arts was we wanted to create a praxis of community reciprocity um, Mm. which maybe translates to not necessarily a money-making business (laughs) but like we want to highlight and give opportunity to yeah we Mm. want everyone to get paid and every endeavor that we do it's like it's not about us it's about our community yeah Um, and unlike uh mutual aid and direct action work when you're working in the arts you can kind of carve out space for self-care and like practice mindfulness in a different way so you actually are more generative sometimes like and I love that what you said about the choir you know because I do believe that in activism like there's a time in all of our lives where we can be on the front line yeah but that's not a very long amount of time because it's so exhaustive it's so traumatic like you have to be able to like be like okay where else can I fit in where Mm -hmm. else can I support and generate like community care and it feels like you all have really done that with relative yeah Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah. Oh, that's but yeah, that's just us community being over space. here. Yeah. Like, painting the picture. You know what? <laughs> yeah, like yesterday, literally, um, we had uh, our friend's mom, who's Mohawk, hanging out. And another friend, who's also Mohawk, came in with her kids. And our friend's mom was teaching the kids different words in their language. And I and I was like, oh my god, there's three generations here just like chilling in the store, sharing information. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is exactly why we're here. Like, like we can be selling clothes, but that's not the purpose. Like, the purpose is to have a space for community to come and just chill Mm -hmm. and feel welcome. And it's not like overly fancy. It's not. It's like we have a couch, we have a bunch of chairs, like, Mm -hmm. and um, but that scene in my head is going to be stuck there of like how important it is to have this space and it's just space like but it's so important and that reminds me of like community markets like in in my community back in hawaii like what i've witnessed even in santa fe up in where chinupa's from you know it's like there's there is the thing the selling but there's just like a evolution of culture happening around and between and behind the scenes of the actual selling, like mm-hmm. sharing of information between communities yeah, and all of that. And I loved what you said about New York yesterday when we came and visited the store about New York being like this, um, this trade space, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And can you talk about what it means to be activating as indigenous people yeah. in New York and having to kind of speak about indigenous people existing like even yesterday when we were in there for a short amount of time people are really curious about what even a native american is there's like so much like misinformation uh, taught in school about native american people so how does it feel and is it annoying to you or is it exciting to you is it Mm. awkward i think it's really interesting i you know because we are urban natives right like we live in new york city 
And um, so the people that we create community with were all from different places. And we're all so keenly aware of the diversity between our tribes and between who we are, even though we have this umbrella term of indigenous or Native American or whatever. And um, I think that's one thing that drives us so much um, is just seeing the differences and like really celebrating that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as urban natives, I feel like it's a responsibility. Like, e- like when I was growing up, okay, this is like one thing that's interesting to me. I feel like it's carried out throughout my entire life, but I grew up in Oregon. I didn't grow up like on our res. And so it was really important for my dad to make sure that we were aware of who we are, where we came from. So we were in culture classes where we learned all these things like, you know, just like blanket stitch, sewing, whatever. We made our own fans, our own regalia. We did all these things. And it was really important because we were in an urban setting to still be aware of where we came from. And I feel like that has carried over in my life so much now because I'm still an urban native, right? And we struggle so much to find community in an urban setting. And then when we do, we want to celebrate how different we are and show people how different we are. So then having the shop, which is like a trade ground and being like, look at all the work that these contemporary indigenous people are doing, like from all over the world. We have work from, you know, so-called Canada to the U.S. to Mexico of indigenous artists. Um, We have over 20 artists in store right now. And it's just so cool to celebrate the diversity within indigenous culture and also like the dope ass art that people are doing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a really long drawn out. No, no it's so gorgeous. I had so many thoughts during it because I, I, I feel like um, I had, I guess, kind of like a similar experience in my in my growing up in relationship with identity and being indigenous like I grew up in Oklahoma so like Indian territory um but I grew up in a college town Stillwater Oklahoma and then I um would go to reservation lands to go visit my grandma and grandpa and now my parents live in that same house that they've had for a hundred years and with my auntie and uncle but it is like there was uh like I didn't have, I wasn't like every day in community, right? And I did, it was important to us that we would go to grandma and grandpa's house and like that's when we would go to powwow. That's when we would go to like. That you're um, like aware of who you are. Yeah, that's when we would go and have our corn soup and our fry bread. Oh my God, (laughs) I want fry bread right now. Um, And I, I feel that I've like, maybe you're making me just now realize this, that maybe I've always been trying to, like, kind of um, bring my, like, home and that, like, identity to, like, the space that wherever I am. Because I yeah, continue to are. move throughout mm-hmm. weird urban areas, you know? I'm, yeah. like, I'm, 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 I'm a mover. Yeah. Um, I lived in Prague for a couple of years. I lived in Portland for, like, a decade. I lived in Austin, Texas for, like, a few months. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm always, like, chasing something that's, like, uh, far away from home. But I also feel like uh, it's really necessary to, like, make roots and um, bring my home and share my home with wherever I am. Yeah. Um, yeah well that's what culture is I mean we carry it with us and it evolves with us and every time we are 
are practicing it or sharing it, you learn yourself about more parts of mm-hmm. your own of your own history and the the lack of like what's been broken or lost and what you want to do better at and all of all of the pieces come together and that's part of the journey you know like something that i really appreciate about chinupa is he's always like um culture is um always evolving you know and i think that that's exactly what you all are doing you're Mm -hmm. creating this small beautiful space that's allowing culture to like inquire what it is today like what is what does it mean to be an urban indian like i you know Mm -hmm. like i really like how you're contextualizing it it's like you you just are yeah (laughs) Yeah. totally (laughs) you kind of just are yeah like there's no definition it means something different for everyone right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. totally yeah i mean even like they they say like new york is the largest urban indigenous population Mm -hmm. and um and it's not all people like me you know what i mean like it's a ton of people from like south america um indigenous people you know from all over the place Mm -hmm. yeah so what's your five-year goal for relative like what do you want to see it become are you you must all be dreaming yeah we really are yeah so Um, so yeah right now we're an open atelier and shop amongst other things but i know well Well, leanna you talk about what your ideas are because when you know. have a different, like when you talk about like the event and programming part of it, yeah, those are things that like Leanna's doing, dreaming about that I'm dreaming about something else, and then they're connected. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like, talk about what you're dreaming about. Oh gosh, first. well, I mean, like, I I guess I kind of hope that in five years we're able to have like. Um, a, uh, I'm still shooting for this like giant 20,000 square foot like kind of space because I want to be able to have like a crazy factory like we, we keep using that we will be like indigenous uh, Andy Warhol's factory yeah like wow um, so like I want the space where we don't just have like one or two industrial machines we've got like eight of them and we've Mm. got like 3d printers and like Mm. i want to manufacture cool um historical and contemporary like indigenous action figures my partner is a uh like a trademark trademark trademark, trademark, trademark. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but like you know like we want to i want to have break dancing classes like Mm. um i want to have whatever people are trying to make. I want to be able to have residencies where people Mm. can come and stay for like a couple weeks or a month and like, you know, auntie who's like normally just beating like on the powwow circuit if she wants to come out here and like, mm-hmm. you know, work on some stuff. Take and custom orders. Take custom like, orders. People and then are paying attention it. to who's in the residency, whose work is there now. Like, mm, yeah, like yeah. I want it to be a space for everyone to be able to just like create and for i mean like indigenous futurisms is our yeah our goal our goal yeah that's our mission is mm. to is to promote indigenous futurism and representation and education yeah, yeah. Mm. which i guess is just like that also ever changing that growth of like what it, cultural identity is and existing right like yeah how what does it look like to be indigenous in 2070 mm-hmm. you know like yeah and like you were saying <laughs> the evolution you know i i think to our creation story and the way that 
it manifests in my mind, you know, and then I want to create that visual in a tangible way. Mm. Um, but that is so specific, right? And that's an evolution of the way that we see these really traditional or ancestral stories. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think we this evolution is so important and we're really creating uh, something great. And like one thing that I see in our future, we talked about a lot is uh, in a way this idea of expansion where we can have similar shops in other places mm -hmm. and we really want to start like in Oklahoma and I'm from the Northwest um, we both lived in Portland like having one in Portland like and being able to have like f this idea of curating collections for each shop would be so cool mm -hmm. and um, I just like as an artist myself, being able to connect with people who are so talented, I'm just like yeah. so excited to promote people's work. Like we have Copper Canoe Woman, we have and we have um, Kiani Botanics, we have Gnu. We have Section 35, Mobilize. Teton Trade Cloth. Teton Trade Cloth, which is Lenape owned, whose land we are currently living on. And a good alternative to Pendleton. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, that's interesting. So they do wool blanket. Yeah, yeah I'd say they're in line with like the eighth generation Pendleton and then Teton Trade Cloth is coming up and they just recently are 100% Lenape owned. Um, so the Delaware tribe, I think in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, mm -hmm. right? Um, which is their diaspora. But so, yeah. yeah, so how did you all find these people? Are they um, relationships that you've just been building through your own practices yeah. or because of relative, you kind of have mm -hmm. been out looking for people to work with? For, yeah, for me, it's all um, people who I've worked with before and um, I knew immediately who I wanted to contact for the store. So part of my job is curating the collection that's in the store. And um, we were so, so, so lucky that because of my work and the work that I've done with other artists, um, we've created this bond. So there was trust there mm. that when I asked, you know, would you want to send some stuff for us to open the store because we're currently working on consignment where 70% goes to the artist and 30% goes back into the shop um, because we don't have money up front to do like wholesale. So we weren't able to like buy people's stuff to put in the store and then mark it up for mm. our own profit. Instead, we are, you know, creating this trust where we are placing their items and if it sells 70% goes to the artist which is like so is a great model for when you're first starting yeah um but yeah that trust was there because we've worked in the arts community and we know people and um mm -hmm. we're, we're responsible <laughs> we try <laughs> yeah and i wanted to karina's horn a little too because i feel like uh the undertaking and like I mean, also the community's horn for trusting us, but it was just so beautiful to see it come together. Mm. Literally, we were on such a crazy timeline because we we rented the space without the ability to really like know where the next month's rent was coming. Wow! So we like 
we rented it November 1st. We had a holiday market and we did a GoFundMe and mm. that was able to like kind of like furnish. Yeah, we and were like able pay, to crowdfund to like $4,000, like, I think. Yeah, like whatever, all that stuff. And we were like, we have to kind of like open, we have to like sell something so that we can pay rent. <laughs> Yeah, I was and like, I, I was like, why work. do we have a space and we're not making money? We need like, well, I gotta figure something out. And Karina literally, like, we so we had like holiday markets, and then we uh, became an LLC, I think, officially on like February twenty fifth or something. That's when our like paperwork got back and approved, and the secretary straight mm-hmm. stamps and stuff. Yeah. Um, and we said, I guess we should open April first. And we hadn't, like, reached out to anyone at that point. And Karina brought on over 20 amazing artists. That's amazing. In a short amount of time. In, like, six weeks. Beautiful. Um, And, yeah, just, like, the level of trust. Mm. um, And, but that's, like, what it, it, that's, I mean, I think that was, like, our first signal that like what we were on the right path it's needed yeah people are ready they're like what and then and that was one of the biggest things is like that when the space was offered um it was offered with the idea of um maybe it just being my collection or my studio Mm -hmm. and and we were like F that. Like, we really were, like, we want it, it to be a space where we can celebrate a bunch of people. Like, we found a space. Mm-hmm. Let's build something amazing. Yeah. So it is not difficult to find 20 artists. Mm-hmm. And there are so many amazing people out there making work. And each season we're going to, um, you know, continue to cycle forward, to continue to evolve. So, like, our fall collection will be different from our spring collection. And we'll be able to actively bring in new artists on a regular basis. Oh, that's gorgeous. I feel like that's such an important, like, soundbite right there. It is not difficult to find 20 contemporary indigenous artists. So listen up museums, listen up stores, (laughs) like, whatever, Sephora. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. it is not... It's not that hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Doing great work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But that trust, you know, that's what, like, I think that that's a big thing that larger institutions and corporations are missing is, like, mm-hmm. uh, folks have been burned so much by wanting to partner with, like, larger brands or museums, and they're just not that care. Like you were saying in the beginning around mm-hmm. DEI, like, this whole movement has got me a little twisted because I'm like, they they want like people's, the idea of people, like the color of their skin to represent some diversity, but they don't mm. want the whole community that comes with them and that whole level of care and thinking differently. Yeah. yeah. this mm. the, I feel like this is a maybe a good segue to talk about a project that we're working on are we going to put it out into the world of worlds i don't know what you're talking about so you <laughs> the, have to the fashion show oh yeah okay. well either either way if it happens it doesn't happen it will happen yeah it will happen whether it's this year or next or so, smaller yeah but it's even, yeah we're working on uh right now we're fundraising and and trying to put out there uh we want to by this september put on new york's first indigenous fashion week um, yeah, and we are That's actively working on that because it needs to happen. But like one of the 
can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> we're tired. Girl, just we put just another keep, hat We're on. like, let's, oh, yeah. just do, let's just do this other third <laughs> full-time job. Oh, my God. But it's like, it's... Um, it's different and we're trying it in the reason why it's maybe gonna take another year we'll see mm. um or the reason why it could also easily come together is because we've already got our roster of indigenous every role like yeah it's going to be a completely Producers. indigenous run yeah. produced managed hair Model. and makeup models uh sewers yeah. dressers like and those are just people in our community and it's just people in our community and like that's... and new york doesn't have that you know like we've like i've shown in toronto indigenous fashion arts vancouver indigenous fashion week santa fe indian market like why don't we have something like that in new york and and not to say that a, a, not a lot of indigenous people show during new york fashion week yeah but what if we had one that was produced run by indigenous people mm-hmm. how cool would that be and it's not just about who's on the stage but who's in the back getting paid yeah you know yeah yeah i really like that i really i really think that it is bizarre that it hasn't happened mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it's time so yeah. mm-hmm. a little plug for everybody <laughs> to uh, show up with some funds to support this dream to become a reality like let's yeah. do this yeah yeah right? so we're learning we're learning about that world of um this uh, social opportunity is that what it's called what is in order Something to raise like raise funds from businesses mm. and and we have somebody who's guiding us who's an incredible mentor mm-hmm. um works for res arts his name's matthew and um he's a young black man who is just like so driven such a mover and shaker entrepreneur mm. he's also works with a uh, hundred black men Right. Yeah, which is which like, is like a uh, mentorship program. Mentorship program. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's been really interesting though to like because we don't. That's you know, we're just two people, and like we carry a lot of like talent and skills between the two of us. Yeah. But like fundraising is not one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but also like I Whoops. feel like that come, goes back to. Uh, I, a constant refrain has been like we are nothing without our community yeah so like also if we got any community listening who's like uh an accountant <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> grant writers hello yeah <laughs> like well it does it does take a whole team to really be successful like even mm-hmm. in the way Chinupa and I are navigating as like artists and creatives just supporting each other you know and then bringing people in to like support parts that our brains just can't compute like Mm -hmm. you know like money or writing and that kind of stuff you know just have like not being afraid to ask for help totally yeah totally that's one fear that I really had to get over and um the growth that you can experience when you're growing with community and alongside other people is so much more rewarding Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than small steps that you make on your own. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. like you were saying, like there's like, even with indigenous kinship collective, there may be a few forward facing people, but there's so many people behind those people. And that's how it is in the arts for artists too. There's no such thing as like one artist, like 
being a creative genius and doing everything themselves and also maintaining a studio yeah, and family. doing their taxes. No. Come on now, let's dismantle I'm that. I'm trying. <laughs> it's not working. Yeah, it's what tricky. is it called? Failing upwards. Yeah. <laughs> so it feels sometimes. I know. Well, speaking of failing upwards, like at the end of the podcast, I like to talk about advice or just kind mm-hmm. of like um, seeds of knowledge that we can pass on to other people and let's just kind of like take a few steps back and like what are some things that you learned through the IKC situation that you kind of hold in your toolkit that you know like maybe boundaries or things that you know not to do or signals um, that you could pass on for other people who really want to make a difference but could potentially get harmed like we don't want to stop doing the work yeah I feel like I have so many bubbling thoughts. Yeah, go for, you know, you please go. Well, okay. My one, I was like meditating on this a lot lately because we, um, shameless horn tooting again, um, are about to, our Guardian article is about to drop. Oh yeah, we have an article in the Guardian. (laughs) Um, It'll be out by the time this comes out. Oh, Oh, well, we don't know. We don't know. This will probably come out out in this June or July. Yeah, who knows? It's it's the future for the listeners. We're we're in future (laughs) soon, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, but we. What was I saying? We're going to be... Oh, we're the new faces of small business. Hello with the Guardian. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, but in the interview, uh, the uh, journalists had asked, like, you know, what is, like, some advice, like, for, you know, like, if, as the new faces of small business, small business owners, what would be, like, your advice? And I was thinking a lot about it. Um, and I think it's also a learning that I took from, from IKC, it's never a bad investment to build something with your community. Mm. Mic like, drop. Yeah, that's that, gorgeous. That's uh, the time, the energy, the love, the care, like so much in like actually building this before our opening day. I just kept repeating like this is the labor of love. This is the labor of love. Yeah. Like, we weren't getting paid. We were so tired. I was like working so much at the museum. I was teaching like 20 classes a week and then like wow. spending every moment and at the shop and it um it's been so beautiful to see mm-hmm. um never never a bad investment to build something with your community oh mm. put that on a t-shirt yeah hey. yeah um, oh but my other thought was my my like uh more like uh tough learning that, that i have to share <laughs> um you gotta watch out for those egos Ooh. Mm. <laughs> you gotta watch out for those egos even your own even, even your, own, your own for sure <laughs> thank you even your own for sure ego can take over mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pepper but, that with a little no, money like it's no. a fire yeah absolutely. now i'm like what do you mean <laughs> <laughs> the humblest yeah but no but that's like that's uh i think that i would say it especially like for your own, but in community organizing in particular, mm, I yeah. feel like uh, when you're trying to uh, now I'm talking about like revolutionary thinking, but Great. when you're it. like thinking about uh, community organizing and uh, movement building and revolutions, don't look to the person with the biggest ego who's taking up the most space. Yes, I always say the loudest voice is not always the correct voice. Yeah. Ooh. 
Wow. Yeah. Um, I hear that. Yes. I hear that. Such autonomy. 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 And Be your own person. Yeah, no gods, no masters. So how <laughs> do you practice autonomy in collective thinking? Like, that just feels like a really hard like thing. Like ads? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it, it, it's the thing, though, like... You know, we are so nuanced as human beings that we are not always going to be the same. We're not always going to perceive things the same. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just so important to have autonomy because there are so many different paths that you see. Mm -hmm. So like when somebody's telling you that one path that you believe is not the right path, it's like, well, I'm not going to stop believing that just because you're telling me that. And Thank you. Yeah, it's like that's what drives you forward is what is your path? What are the pathways that are bringing you to where you are? And um, mm. they're not all going to be good, yeah. you know? And that's one thing that is very real is that the idea of success in my head is so different than what it was when I was younger that there can be multiple paths at the same time. Mm. and like I'm at the same time of this growth that seems so amazing and so exciting I'm still dealing with like my own depression my own issues that are happening and it coincides that not everything is perfect or one way that there's so many different things um, and that's the autonomy that we have is mm -hmm. that your life is yours yeah and you're never going to be living somebody else's path you're only on yours I feel like it's it's in the aut autonomy that we are able to find those like moments of intersection more clearly and like able to find our people and our community and that challenge us too, right? Because like I think in that like you have the autonomy to um, to change mm -hmm. to you know and to like hear other things. Um, also, so it's, it's just like so important to not yeah. look only to a loud voice and to like, um, just hold your like values close and your like own, um, you know, like our lives are informed by our identities paths and like yeah yeah I really think that that's a really great um, insight because sometimes we we have our own algorithms and we like get mm -hmm. we aren't being challenged because everything we're seeing is reinforcing our own values and that complexity and that intersection exists within us but we also need to be challenged in a healthy way in order mm -hmm. to like yeah like combat isolation and depression and be able to feel valued for our complexity so mm -hmm. yeah all of that is just really great advice and what were some of the ways that you did deal with healing through um, some of those hard feelings that came up when you were being attacked and mm -hmm. canceled like what were some tools that you used to like sustain your um your mm -hmm. heart and your mm -hmm. spirit yeah i think i mean boundaries is definitely one of them is like stepping away from mm -hmm. this social media internet world mm -hmm. and i often talk about my existence on the internet as like an avatar and I can literally just turn my phone off and walk away. And it's 
<laughs> it's not in my real life, you know? It's mm. not my friends love me, the people I work with know who I am. Like, that's one thing, boundaries. But also I express so much of what I'm going through through my own artwork. Mm. So the last collection I worked on was called Misshapen Chaos of Well-Seeming Forms. That was a lot of um, my processing what was going on in the world and my own crisis of identity. You know, when you spend, I live alone, so I spent so much time with myself during the pandemic and learning who you are is not always fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I, yeah, I filtered a lot of that through my work um, in a way to get it out of my own brain. The visions that I'm having, I can separate them from who I am and then continue to grow. Mm. But yeah, beautiful. I don't know. Yeah, do you have any insight as far as like um, mental health and well-being when you have to come up against these really heavy oh, um, social situations? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think Karina and I both had our own dark, twisted pandemics. Yeah. Um, mm. I have OCD, mm. so pandemic was very hard for me. <laughs> did it didn't go with the flow. No, I uh, did a lot of uh, therapy and mm. medicating. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I literally deleted Instagram um, I'm more of a voyeur on Instagram anyway. Mm -hmm. I have so many cool pictures of me that will never see daylight. I know. I'm always like, I'm going to make you your, my, I'm going to run your Instagram. Because yeah. <laughs> like, we take so many cute pictures and she doesn't, whatever. But that's yeah. a good thing though. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's how I mentally tune out. I smoke a lot of weed. Mm. <laughs> that. But, um, yeah, I don't, it's, um, I think it, it, I feel like, I guess my refrain for the last couple of years is I've, I've since I took the time for myself and, and like went through therapy and um, have got myself regulated with medication and uh, finding joy in community and, and doing all this, like I'm kind of in my renaissance years. I love that. And I'm feeling like really good about that for me mm. <laughs> because I have been so I mean this is not to get all like cornballs -y right now but like um I really feel like I'm like living not just my dream but like my my path mm. like I've like finally your found destiny my destiny <laughs> um so I kind of like came to all of this from uh I, I had a music production company when I lived in Portland and I've just like always like I had a house venue I would always put on punk rock shows in my house in my basement and um, I just like love like I really am nothing without my community like I do my own things but I don't share them very often I, I don't do them to completion probably because I have like um, OCD and like probably a little mild ADD and like mm. I don't I don't share things you do great work I do mm. great work um I can I can make a spreadsheet and I and I can show up I could show up on time to teach the children and obviously <laughs> as you just described an incredible punk show if needed <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm taking notes I'm yeah, gonna call you I mean, 
I've always been trying to bring my people, my artists, my community together, and and that's like all I've ever wanted to do. So just like to be able to have a space mm. and for it to be like. Oh, this sounds like such a word. I don't know, like culturally significant, but like to be able to like share like my family, share space with relatives, mm. to share space with my community. To you can be say able to culturally ha- significant. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's okay. You can say it, it nice strongly. Say? Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it just it it uh, like one of the projects that we're working on that I'm I'm excited. I guess I'm working on um, is my mom. Uh, was a film photographer for like my mostly my brother's childhood (laughs) but then a little (laughs) bit of me too and I have like a she has thousands and thousands of like film photographs of like her and my aunties and uncles like on the res like in the 70s and like these really beautiful photos of my family and I'm like so excited to be able to bring that to relative arts um mm-hmm. at some point and just like I don't know just to have a space to be able to have come a up photo with... exhibit of your relatives oh my gosh yes, that's, that's so that's cute something I really want to do but just to be able to like share my my mother's work she would never she would never, mm. and it's like amazing. After we turn the camera off, I'll have to show you. Like yeah. I've been, I took some when I was um, home. I was archiving digitally, kind of the photographs, um, and I've already got it planned out. But just being able to have a space, I think, is really um, where am I on my tangent now? Mm. Mental health, fixing, uh, coming through everything. I feel like community mm-hmm. yeah community it's really been my my antidote to my having, to the sadsies yeah <laughs> having cultural significant others yeah. uh, ooh. <laughs> um what kind of support do you feel like indigenous communities need right now as far as like urban urban spaces let me reframe this because it's very specific it's i'm not mm. talking about like your family's back on the res, you know, but like what kind of um, amplification do you think and support do you think could be given to contemporary indigenous art movements like Relative NYC right now? Mm. Money. Mm. (laughs) Money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So what Um, ways can people give money? Like, of course, supporting the store by purchasing work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe a funny thing during some the fallout of IKC and the development of relative arts and this like interim time. The uh, Anna Delby thing came out. What? <laughs> the, like that in the Netflix thing? Yeah. No, okay, this is so stupid. But I like, I feel like that was like a lot of like the conversation why we were kind of dreaming so big and we were like, we have to do, like, we are in New York, we're, we are urban and we have this space and this access. And I want to give like the roses to Karina for like seeing her, uh, that door open for her and pulling as many people like my silly ass in with with you Mm -hmm. um and holding that door open and we are like effectively like have stuck a shoe in the door and we're like trying to like pull as many people in right now and uh so like just knowing that there are so many fakes losers white people (laughs) whatever just like people who aren't doing anything actually trying to do the same thing or trying to do something that's not for community and totally self-serving and and individualistic Mm -hmm. 
and they are getting so much money and like what mm. like I what hoops do we have to jump through but also I'm not interested in jumping through hoops like mm -hmm. let's start you're talking about diversity and inclusion like let's quit making hoops and boundaries that we have to like yeah I mean we've to, like, benefited from through, it you know, you know already have, with the space that we are able to occupy and, and but I totally understand but that's also mean, that, like, like we were so lucky yeah. in this community and and that's another thing that's important to say is like we crowdfunded about four thousand dollars for 6, this space. Oh, six thousand. I recently 000. looked at it. Yeah. Okay, six thousand for this space. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, everything else has been out of pocket. So, mm. um, Leanna's taken on a huge responsibility of that. Yeah. How do we restructure these systems? Maybe that's the question. Is like, what's the ideal dream to get the money? <laughs> Mm. Yeah, it's like I don't want to have to jump through these hoops. Or write like a three-session grant <laughs> to yeah. like get five thousand dollars. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and and then it's hard for us to even get grants because we are um, a for-profit. Yeah, we're everybody's like, are you guys a non-profit? And it's like, no, we want our artists to, to be paid. <laughs> so you know, it's yeah. you know, the entire endeavor is not just to make money, but it is about making money for our community yeah. so wow yeah and again it's just like how do we navigate this capitalist system of like mm -hmm. like we it's it's i think that what we're doing is so unique and dare i say revolutionary because it's not like this is not a hospitable environment or economy or anything to be able capitalism is not a hospitable environment for the type of work that we are trying to do in the mm -hmm. space that we're trying to build um, yeah. so it's hard to know what to do and then of course we talked at length about getting money involved like what does it look like and then what kind of like scrutinization are you under as soon as you start to visibly obtain the ability to play the game yeah well it mm. seems like also like buying authentic indigenous made art is exactly like what you're providing the opportunity and if mm. people could buy straight from the source like you guys are providing that mm. space that money go gets to go into like generating income for your work and also the artists yeah so instead of buying the pendletons or you know like the 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 spaces that are co-opting ideas go straight to the contemporary artists, right? Mm -hmm. That might be like the most direct way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And you guys are doing that. You're like yeah. literally like creating that pathway. Yeah, and that's part of, that's part of the idea of futurism is that sustainability exists so much more in what the future holds and can we sustain our futures mm -hmm. um, than it is just about fabrication and so that's one thing that we really want to focus on is the sustainability of our artists and creating a platform where contemporary artists can be celebrated and then also just showing people that we are still here creating contemporary work today and that not all of our work is um, what this uh, stereotype of what you think indigenous jewelry is, um, which is something that's amazing, and you can go get dope stuff like turquoise and all that. But what we're celebrating is contemporary work um, that maybe hasn't been seen before. Mm -hmm. and, and we're trying to thrive. The creativity of community now. Yes, we are. But like, yes, we are trying to thrive. Mm. 
Yeah. So on that note, um, I just wanted to give each of you a soapbox moment. Um, okay. <laughs> so this is like, I used to do this and then I, I stopped for a couple years, but I'm bringing it back as if you could say one thing to the world and this is your platform, anything at all, good or bad, radical or um, care-based. I want each of you to have an opportunity to speak to the world. This gets broadcast globally. No pressure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh... I know, I wasn't prepared for this moment. Um, it, this reminds me of uh, a, a podcast I listen to. Is um, Las Culturistas. <laughs> Do you ever listen to that uh -huh. one? Like Bo and Yang and Matt Rogers. Anyway, they have like their end segment is called I Don't Think So Honey. And yeah. it's one minute where you get to like rant <laughs> on something. <laughs> Um, okay. So now that's like where my mind is going. Same, like, same, mm. same, but different. Yeah, same, Good. same, but different. Totally. Um, hmm. All my, all, all the things I, I'm thinking of are like dark. <laughs> I know. Hey, my brain's okay. rushing. Okay, here I'll, I'll take a moment to tell a story. Oh, I am so down. <laughs> Just a, a, a story from the store that I was thinking about at an earlier point, but I um, want to be able to share it. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, I was working in the shop and um, a white dad and his daughter come in and his daughter's like, 11 or 12 actually like the age of kids that I usually work with at the museum and uh, he was so excited to bring her in and uh, said oh she's learning about they actually go to school some elementary school around here and I was like I'm gonna try to teach you there <laughs> but she said that they're uh, he said that they're learning about Lenape people in school and I happen to know that New York public schools are pretty okay at that which is um, really cool. Um, and he said, I wanted to bring her in because we were learning about Lenape people and I wanted, I had seen about the shop on Instagram and I wanted to show my daughter like an example of indigenous people still existing in a contemporary sense and like what they're doing here today in 2023 in New York City, like in the world. Mm. Um, and it was so sweet and she like, you know, they were like kind of asking me questions. I was like, oh, I'm an educator. You know, I work at the New York Historical Society. I teach this stuff all the time. Like, I'm so happy to teach this, you know, whatever and talk to you. Um, and they ended up buying one of the I Heart Lenape Hoking shirts that we have. And it was like, we only had adult sizes and she like maybe got the last adult small. It was like too big for her, but they bought it anyway. And she like, we got a picture sent. Um, yeah. In our Instagram. I was just thinking that we should, I, you should respond to that because I'm not sure. Oh, you I didn't respond. respond. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know. I need to. Uh, anyway, note. it was just so, <laughs> it's so sweet and it, it was such a. Yeah. He was like, oh, it's a little bit big for her, but she'll, she'll grow, grow into, into it. it and send a picture. And which is so sweet though. It's like people buy stuff at the shop and still feel connected after they're mm -hmm. out of the store. You know, they would still want to share yeah. what they're doing. And it just, like, felt really significant for, like, uh, we've been talking a lot about, like, community and, like, why we do this. And I think that that's, like, clear and the most important thing. Mm -hmm. But, like, uh, 
what we are doing here and the conversations that we're like starting and the like actual representation and like example that we're setting is like it's beyond what I ever imagined like possible like I I just think that that's like such a beautiful example of like people being able to come in and like share and like learn and take something away that they like did not know before they walked through our doors you know yeah Mm. Um, I love that no that's gorgeous yeah Yeah, the thing is is that you don't realize the impact you have like you never will so if you don't give it a shot if you don't shoot your shot yeah you know you don't have an impact but if you shoot Mm. your shot chances are there's people whose Mm. lives you you're changing and you may never know like you said the trolls are the loudest right like yeah. what about all those people mm-hmm. who like are quietly with pride like rocking their i love lenape hokeen shirts yeah. and like yeah right? yeah for every one troll there's 10 silent admirers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now she's going to be able to go and like have that conversation like mm-hmm. you know and that's our future that's creating awareness yeah. that's, that's the point cre- yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's that. not just selling a t-shirt it's creating awareness mm-hmm. and that's what we strive to do you know mm-hmm. create awareness about the traditional homelands create awareness about uh, missing and murdered indigenous people mm-hmm. creating awareness about all these things our continued We're, existence yeah, and survival and thrivance and power and creativity yeah. and mm, thank you all for doing that by the way it's inspiring <laughs> it's it inspires me yeah Thanks. That's the best. So what's your soapbox moment, Karina? Ah, um, I don't know. I was just thinking about how sometimes the trajectory of your life will be unexpected. And it's easier to go with the flow than try and fight the path that you're supposed to go on. Mm. And, um, you know, not everything happens perfectly at the same time you know you I always say that I want to walk forward confidently rather than stumble forward and I still feel like I'm stumbling forward and I feel like that's a self-doubt that I can't shake um but I would say even through the anxiety and all the other things that it's important to continue to move forward and so I guess that's what I would say on my soapbox is like don't be afraid to move forward you know, and that sometimes you have to go through it. I'm going through a lot of it. You always have to go through yeah. it. Yeah. But there's always a through, right? Yeah. There's, yeah, there's something at the other end. Keep going, you know. Yeah. Focus I know. on the good. And we can be our own worst enemies, you know. That's the, like, I wish, I wish you could see you the way I see you, you I know. W- I say that all the time. <laughs> I wish I could see myself through somebody else's eyes. And then it would make sense. Yeah. But to me, it's this chaotic mess. <laughs> I know. I've, I'm just like, wow. Yeah, we can be so hard on ourselves. we mm-hmm. got to give ourselves ease because, yeah. <sighs> we all have that internal dialogue, that ego. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, I feel like those are really great, like, points of, like, speaking up, providing information and... Um, this whole conversation has really been helpful and really honest and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I think like we were talking about bef- when we like took a little break that so often 
we only see through Instagram what these experiences are like the good and the bad the triumphs and the canceling and the all the all the drama yeah. like it's the all statement. yeah it's all just like <laughs> oh has to be in 180 words like right, we're yeah. way more than that you know yeah. and so having these long format conversations provides a look behind the curtain provides a space to be like these two beautiful femme human beings like existing in all the complexity and all the layers like trying to figure it out like there's just there's humanity that we need to like give grace for right and mm-hmm. so thank you all for like providing that here today yeah thank thanks for you. opening this space up yeah. for like the, the conversation yeah it was Good. a great chat <laughs> is there anything that you all want to plug that's coming up anything about Ooh. like where do we find you on social media please find us on social media at relative arts nyc and www.worldwideweb.relativeartsnyc.com um and those are the two most important things that you can follow us on and find out what we're doing what we're working on because we're constantly going to be doing something new and fun and awesome Mm. yes come through (laughs) that's all i gotta say yeah oh and we are located uh, in manhattan's east village and 367 east 10th street and we're currently now open starting in june we'll be open thursday through sunday 12 to 6 p.m nice oh thank you <laughs> yeah thank you yes yeah and come through and hang out and share your stories mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.